Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Judging a Book by Its Cover. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Josh. And on this podcast, we judge a book solely on its cover, its first paragraph on the look inside, and its summary. Um, But before we deep dive into the two books we selected today, let's go ahead and discuss the most important book, the the Book of Life. Yes. um, As we say on every episode, one might say the most important book, but other people say, wow, it's been a long time since we've seen each other, Josh. Yeah, it has. Uh, I went away to LA for spring break. That was like a week. And then we didn't record or really speak to each other last week. We just talked about the Star Wars teaser. That's about it. Exactly. Um, so how about you give us, since you're your big boy back from L.A., like, why don't you give us your book of life? Yeah, so really quickly, L.A. was great. I went there for spring break. It was the first time I actually did something for spring break. Usually I just sit at the house and uh, play video games. That's but what I, mean. I was like, this is my last spring break probably ever yeah hopefully ever um and why not do something fun and visit my uncle out in LA so I went out there it was great man like um it was so nice being back on the west coast I'm originally from Seattle but you know LA is so different than most cities in the in the country um really quickly I was just amazed how big it was like Mm. I mean I knew LA was big but man it's massive and the downtown area is not even that big it's just the sprawling sub like city Right. Uh, so my uncle, he lives in like the hall, the actual area called Hollywood. Mm. Um, and then that's like connected to Beverly Hills. I think I could, he could be listening to this and be like, you're butchering the geography, <laughs> but no, it was great. Um, I had a great time visiting him. Um, and, uh, if you've listened to the podcast, we did a podcast together. I had a lot of fun visiting him. It's always just good to see family, especially family. You don't see a lot. So it's a trip I always remember, and I definitely want to go back next year. Yeah, shout out to Uncle Bobby. And uh, also, um, when you landed, I was curious if um, you were ever going to come back because you could have got a very lucrative um, recording deal talking about how you love L.A. and you smoke pot like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So that's just like you could write like three albums solely based on your love of L.A. and smoking this medicinal uh, well, herb. Ca- cannabis cures cancer, Matt. Don't scoff. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, God, they're doing all right, but <laughs> yeah, they're doing pretty good for themselves. Um, so my book of life is, uh, I did absolutely nothing over spring break and it was fantastic. I bet it was so good. Cause we were going so hard at school for so long that when our spring break finally came, it was just like a nice, like sigh of relief. And, um, I actually finished, uh, I finished one book and I started three others. Jeez, actually, dude, I finished. Busy. Yeah, I finished two others. Uh, so I finished three books over spring break, and then I started one recently. So, just a quick rundown: I finished the Magicians trilogy by Lev Grossman. Um, it's a show on Sci-Fi, so I watched the show. I liked it enough. I wanted to read the books, and then I finished the second one on spring break. I bought the third one, read the third one, finished it in like a. <laughs> Like two days. It was really good. And then, um, like I asked you, had you heard of um, Tales, like the Earthsea Cycle, right, by Ursula K. Le Guin. And um, it's like this fantasy series that people say rivals um, Tolkien or Lewis, like in terms of the world building. And it was really interesting because, like, you know, the first book, the A Wizard of Earthsea, 
uh, is is kind of like young adult ish in nature, and it's um, one of the few Western written fantasy books that doesn't have a like white person as like the protagonist, right? And it's it's got an interesting uh, world, and I finished that, and I liked it so much that I went ahead and bought the entire collection. Um, unfortunately through Jeff Bezos's blog because I was going to ask that actually because he had such a great deal on it and I was like ah oh, I hate supporting this man when Jeff Bezos gives you those deals you take them man you just take them exactly and um so I finished the first one and then uh long story long I recently started reading the um epic like novel that either lit people like people who are in the literature world either hate or they love, they either say, oh, this is pretentious as shit, or like, this is actually a good book, and it's Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace. That book is over a thousand pages long, and <sighs> I've started it, yeah. So, I'm only wow. at like 120, but 120, but like, it's it's alright so far. Yeah, I think I think Stephen King's It is about a thousand pages too. Yeah, they're both super long books. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm I, you know I'm in the market for a good hundred pager, hundred pagers. That's, like, see that <laughs> I'm just kidding. Three hundred pages for me is like a good. Amount. Yeah, so that's the thing. Like with novels, right? Like, and this is obviously like you know a serious hundred percent like factual book review podcast. So as it always is, yeah. So the thing about novels for me is like anywhere from about. 200 to 400 pages is about like what I what I like to read mm-hmm. um, and I do like fantasy books which is kind of weird because those are usually like 800 pages long but like I rarely embark on the over 1,000 page novel especially yeah. like a novel that is a critique it's just like a critique of um, American consumerism right like that's the thing like usually they have to have like swords and dragons and sex for me to read over a thousand pages but yeah I just decided, you know what? Everyone's talking about this book, so I'm going to read it. Does it have pictures? It does not have any pictures. Oh, that's. Uh... In fact, even worse, it has um, a lot of the thousand pages, like the the last like 100 pages or so, is comprised of endnotes, just talking about the different uh, aspects of the book. So, mm, Yeah, juicy. We'll get into that. Get into the endnotes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's exciting. Let's go ahead and jump into the first book we have for today. Uh, Matt, why don't you take it away? Okay, so the first book, its title is Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, colon, A Therapist, Her Therapist, Her All in Caps, by the way, comma, and Our Lives Revealed. Now, this book is uh, written by Lori Gottlieb, Lieb, Lieb, something. Pretty close. Something, Gottlieb. And, um, yeah, so we're going to, I'm going to go ahead and try and, uh, describe this cover for you. This one's very easy. It is a blue background, like sky blue background. So baby blue with a orange tissue box and tissues coming out of it. And the words all in caps, maybe you should talk to someone overlaid over that tissue box. Very simple design. Feel like there's going to be a lot of crying involved when reading this book. Yeah, it, it seems so far to indicate like one of the characters maybe is like struggling with something like depression or, or anxiety or and they need to talk to like a therapist to uh, 
who knows it's very um the cover is very poppy it's very colorful yeah i mean we we picked this one because it, it kind of stood out to us it is uh on the more colorful side we tend not to see that with like dark subjects so i mean i don't even know if the subject is dark it could be comedic we don't know uh, i would like to point out that katie couric has an endorsement on there i like to read that really quickly it says rarely has a book challenged me to see myself in an entirely new light and was at the same time laugh out loud funny and utterly absorbing so, yeah, it is comedic. It is on the lighter side. That's um, reflected in the cover, definitely. Yeah, Katie Couric must not have read many books, obviously, if it challenged to see yourself in an entirely new light. Because I feel like a lot of books that I read is like, uh, you just have to sit and digest them. But, I mean, I don't know. I'm not the literary. Well, I am the literary critic here. Yeah, I, Katie Couric is not. Let's yeah, just she's that. not the literary critic here. Exactly. So, let's go ahead and. Oops, um, uh, let's do this synopsis first. Yeah, let's do the synopsis. So, um, wow, that's a lot of yeah. uh, endorsements. That's a lot of bold text. And, and in case you guys are wondering, when we say our jargon for this podcast, if you will, bold text is the stuff that we can't look at. It's endorsements by authors. Who knows who? Because we don't read them. Um, so the synopsis is, one day, uh, Lori Gottlieb is a th- is a therapist who helps patients in her Los Angeles practice. Okay, so one day she is a therapist. That doesn't make any sense. Yes. Anyway, uh, the next, a crisis causes her world to come crashing down. Enter Wendell, the quirky but seasoned therapist in whose office she suddenly lands. With his balding head, cardigan, and khakis, he seems to have come straight from Therapist Central casting, yet he will turn out to be anything but. As Leb explores the inner chambers of her patients' lives, a self-absorbed Hollywood producer, a young newlywed diagnosed with a terminal illness, a senior citizen threatening to end her life on her birthday if nothing gets better, and a 20-something who can't stop hooking up with the wrong guys, she finds that the questions they are struggling with are the very ones she is now bringing to window. With startling wisdom and humor, Goldlieb invites us into her world as both clinician and patient, examining the truths and fictions we tell ourselves and others as we teeter on the tightrope between love and desire, meaning and mortality, guilt and redemption, terror and courage, hope and change. Maybe you should talk to someone is a revolutionary in its candor offering a deeply personal yet universal tour of our hearts and minds and providing the rarest of gifts, a boldly revealing portrait of what it means to be human and a disarmingly funny and illuminating account of our own mysterious lives and our power to transform them. Whew, that was a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, I, the, the one day Lori Gottlieb is a therapist doesn't really make sense. <laughs> Until you read the next part and you're yeah. like, okay, <laughs> like that should be one sentence. Like it, that, it really should. That, I don't feel like that's very. Um, it's technically grammatically correct, but it also doesn't make sense within the context of like that should be one sentence or it shouldn't have a period. It should have a colon slash semicolon depending on how you want to frame the sentence. Besides already being rubbed the wrong way just based on the first two sentences, the part I really didn't like was the amount of uh, love and desire, and then it just kept going blank and blank. Blank and blank. Uh, that got a little monotonous there for a second. I didn't know when it was going to end. It yeah, it did definitely got monotonous, and also it had um you know our, you know the, our favorite our favorite neoliberal president Barack Hussein Obama's um 
catchphrase at the end there hope yeah, and I change i did see that i definitely saw that you were like wow that. so this book has nothing to say it's just using these flowery words like what is hope and change oh it's something i mean i get that the synopsis is supposed to like make you want to read it so it is going to be a little grandiose but it's like I mean, is it really that transformative? I mean, Katie Kirk thought so, so who knows? Yeah, but we're the literary experts here. She is definitely not. And let me just say, I'm not buying it so far. I'm a little cynical right now. I'm kind of curious, though, if this Lori person, the mm-hmm. one who wrote it, I'm, I'm kind of curious if she actually is a clinician. Unfortunately, we'll never figure it out because it's not on the synopsis or the look inside. Yeah, and we're not allowed to research these things afterwards either. So Before you know, or after. What we've talked about today is our... Our entire knowledge of this work yeah it's like the literary gods descended from he- heaven and they say uh matthew and joshua listen boobaloos okay you guys can only and will only look at jeff bezos's personal blog and if anything deviates from that i will smite thee and our show gets canceled yeah and our show gets canceled 100 uh, that means we'll have three starving interns yeah I just let that sink in exactly um so one thing though we can make a conjecture that Lori Gottlieb is not actually divulging things her patients have told her. I feel like that's like ethically wrong. Yeah, it's uh, actually illegal. Some, yeah, some stuff. So I, I hope that this isn't coming from real experiences. Definitely. Um, I think it, maybe she might be like an actual uh, clinician, but she's like these are fictional characters that she's using. Let's hope so for her sake. But at the same time, like. I don't like this weird, and I'm going to say this like in, in, in terms of like storytelling, I've never liked the therapist who can solve everyone's problems but their own narrative because I think that's a little like overdone. Like, so we're way past the Book of Life segment, but like uh, another Book of Life for me, I finished like The Haunting of Hill House, right? And there's like a character in there, no spoilers, but she's a clinician, right? And she is very like deeply flawed as well, right? She can't, she can solve everyone else's problems, but she can't solve her own, you know, type mm-hmm. thing. So I'm, I'm kind of tired of seeing that like recurring, you know, motif in literature and in art. Yeah, um, I mean, maybe it happens in real life. I don't know. I mean, it probably. I mean, maybe we should talk to someone about it. Man. Maybe we should talk to someone about it, as Lori uh, promotes. Thank you. What if? Hold on. What if? Uh, before I read the paragraph, what if Lori actually is a practicing clinician, and this book is like propaganda? Like, maybe you should talk to someone about it. And by someone, I mean me. Her business card. Me. Like, you open it up to the back page, and her business card just falls out. <laughs> yeah. It's like you know where to find me. Exactly, and it's like. Are you depressed? Are you a piece of shit? Like, maybe you should come see me, Lori Gottlieb. Maybe what she does, before we get too off track, maybe what she does is the book actually makes you feel really bad about yourself. Oh, yeah. So before you're like, everybody's a normal person, but she lures in her patients by getting them to, like, just feel like they're total pieces of crap. Like Katie Kirk. And now Katie Kirk is her biggest client. Yeah, she's like... She's like this um, Cthulhu-esque like monster that like when you open up, when you read the truth of this book, when you start reading it and you realize the truth, you start going insane. But it's an it's an interesting Ponzi scheme because Lori's the only person that can cure you of your insaneness. The irony there. Exactly. So I'm going to go ahead and read the first paragraph. First chapter is called Idiots. And it says, chart note, John. And this is in italic, so obviously it's like written by a character. 
patient reports feeling stressed out, quotations, and states that he is having difficulty sleeping and getting along with his wife, expresses annoyance with others, and seeks help managing the idiot. So it says, have compassion, deep breath, have compassion, have compassion, have compassion. I'm repeating this phrase in my head like a mantra as the 40-year-old man sitting across from me is telling me about all the people in his life who are, quote, idiots, unquote. Why, he wants to know, is the world filled with so many idiots? Are they born this way? Do they become this way? Maybe, he muses, it has something to do with all the artificial chemicals that are added to the food we eat nowadays. So I have a hunch that this client is actually Ben Shapiro. (laughs) Well, no, she didn't say, like, 30-year-old man-child. Like, he'd be like, well, actually, I think it's the uh, artificial chemicals that are added to the food or water that the liberals, uh, SJWs, are adding to uh, everything nowadays. He just talks fast. Like that's- No, I know. That's that's definitely <laughs> spot on Ben Shapiro right there. Um, so, let's see. Let's talk about this. Now that we've, we've delved into all the aspects of the book... Um, what are your thoughts, Matt? What do you what do you feel like this book is going? So, one of the biggest problems I have with this is like, especially like the narrative that I said earlier, the whole like therapist can help everybody, but her but themselves, right? Um, a lot of the like through line of those types of narratives are the therapists aren't actually helping people because they care, and so like when she says have compassion, have compassion, have compassion. She's not actually caring about what he's saying. She's just doing her job, which I mean, you know, that's fine. You can just do your job. But like within these like types of narratives, there's always like that type of like, okay, yeah, yeah. You're definitely an idiot type thought process going on within the therapist's head. Um, Not liking it, honestly. I I don't really like it uh, at all. Um. I don't know, maybe Lori, if she is actually a clinician, feels this way, and it's fine. Like, therapists can feel this way, but, like, as a story device, don't, I don't like it. And, honestly, like, I think the book is probably going to end where she's going to get to where she loves talking to this guy and there's going to be like a, a Disney style, like she doesn't trust him anymore, like the the Wendell. She doesn't trust Wendell anymore because like he either betrayed her trust by like helping her patients or stealing them or doing something like that. And they're, they're going to come and reconcile towards the end. And she's actually going to learn that like her patients, uh, she her problems that she like that she had, she should have worked out and it was actually at the detriment of her patients. And she realized that her patients aren't crazy. Like she's the one that needed to work through her stuff. So I think that's probably how the book's going to end. I actually really like that take. Uh, there's something in the synopsis that gave it away for me. Um, is it the truths and fictions part? Maybe um, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. Suddenly funny. Boldly revealing a portrait of one. I haven't gotten the... One one thing is I haven't gotten the comedic aspect of it. I know the book is supposed to be funny, but I haven't uh, haven't really seen how the 
have compassion, have compassion, have compassion could lead to something funny. It's probably like the romantic aspect, right? Like the, the comedy comes from like her being like, oh no, like I hate patients, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I get that everybody, uh, well, not everybody, but there are some people who genuinely hate their jobs. Yeah. Uh, and maybe she is in that case. Um, does Wendell have, like, magical powers? Is he going to be revealed as some sort of, like, Eastern European man? Like, <laughs> I was going to say. He's coming up. I was going to say, is this our recurrent theme, Matt, just be super racist towards the Eastern European? Like, oh, like, hello, I am Eastern European man. No, I don't think that's going to happen in this narrative. This narrative seems way too boring for it to happen. I uh, mean, that's, that's really what it is. It is kind of boring So uh, what do you, for a book. Um, I just really want to know, Katie, Katie Couric, if you're out there, if you're listening to this, which you, we, we all know you are. Um, <laughs> Katie Couric, uh, what, how did this book change your life? How did a struggling clinician, like, I get it, clinicians are people too. Uh, they have feelings and they're not, I mean, they are kind of there to fix all our problems. Like, yeah. that's what they're getting paid for. So They're getting paid ungodly amount of money. I don't right? get why she's crying about this. Yeah, and it's it's a little... I don't know, like, Katie Couric, like, listen, we know that you're not a professional literary critic like ourselves, right? Like, you're not even on the same level as our interns. That's the thing. Like, so we understand how only reading one book in your entire life could change, like, your life and how you look at the world. But, like, honestly, this book, while reading it, would have to be, like, so incredibly different than the way that I'm picturing it in my head to change someone's life, right? Because it just seems like the run-of-the-mill, same old, same old story, you know? And, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, like, it's not going to change your life because of it, you know? It's one of those things that I feel like would be subtext in another book. Like, it, it doesn't deserve its own entire novel, really. It, it, it could be dedicated. Exactly. It could be, like, meta. You know, it could be, like, mm. a commentary on those types of narratives. Like, who knows? But the thing is, like, the way that it's going, you know, it's it's not. It's just the run-of-the-mill, same old thing that's going to keep happening, you know? And, uh, honestly, uh, I want to hear your opinion of the ending, how it's going to end, and then we're going to review this bad boy or bad girl. So, um... Really quickly, she's gonna she's gonna go to Wendell. It's their last session together. She finds out that Wendell is leaving the practice. He's quitting the industry for good because Lori Gottlieb made him so freaking sick of being a clinician that he <laughs> wants to move to Tahiti and like retire instantly. You know, this is like he was so sick of dealing with idiots that uh, he decided that this was his last go and his last patient ever. And she just whines and moans and complains so much he just can't take it and he leaves. Because that's me right now reading this book. <laughs> the ending could be, I know I've already given my prediction of the ending, which was 100% factual. But um, let's just say for shigs and giggles, I'll tell you how the ending is supposed to go. Um, so all that happens, like you said, mm -hmm. right? Because your ending is 100% accurate as well. Yeah. Um, so the after afterward, I guess is it turns out that it's the ending scene from One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. And it, and the uh, Lori's Wendell is uh, the chief, right? Mm. And, and Lori Gottlieb is the uh, Jack Nicholson character being strangled because she got lobotomized because, like, that's the only way that she 
it's like, oh, everyone around me is idiots, but it turns out she just can't think anymore. So sad. Such a good movie. So uh, let's rate this sucker. Where do you... Um, How's our rating system work for first-time listeners? Yeah, so uh, the lowest ranking you can give a book, I mean, you absolutely hated it, is uh, is Dinosaur Romance Novel. Uh, the next up, which means you, you didn't like it, but you didn't hate it, uh, is Young Adult, not fan fiction, Young Adult Novel. And then if you like the book, you can give it uh, your dad's favorite sci-fi novel, or we did add your uncle's favorite sci-fi novel if it's slightly better than your dad's favorite sci-fi novel. We're getting a little too complicated here. Uh, <laughs> and now if you think that this thing is like a work of art, uh, you'll give it the great, uh, the next great Gatsby approval. The Gatsby of our generation. Um, really quickly, we don't need to spend a lot of time on this. I am going predictably with Dime Store Romance Novel. 100% same. There's uh, being objective men, we arrived at objective conclusions yeah it's not a lot of time on it it's trash like everything about this novel is trash the cover's trash the the uh synopsis is trash the first paragraph trash let's move on going forward we have the culture code now i'm excited about this one just because i really like the cover um yeah the culture code the secrets of highly successful groups written by daniel coyle and narrated because it looks like it's mostly an audiobook uh, by Will Dameron. It is. Oh my God! Do I even have to mention it's a New York Times bestseller? Oh no, we can't read it's that. It's understood. It's got one word in it. and It's been printed. It's all right. Times. Let's read the synopsis. Where does great culture come from? How do you build and sustain it in your group or strengthen a culture that needs fixing? In the culture code. Daniel Coyle goes inside some of the world's most successful organizations, including the U.S. Navy SEALs Team 6, IDEO, and the San Antonio Spurs, and reveals what makes them tick. He demystifies the culture binding process by identifying three key skills that generate cohesion and cooperation, and explains how diverse groups learn to function with a single mind. Drawing on examples that range from internet retailer Zappos to comedy troupe Upright Citizens Brigade, to a daring gang of jewel thieves, huh? Coyle offers specific strategies that trigger learning, spark collaboration, build trust, and drive positive change. Coyle unearths helpful stories of failure that illustrate what not to do, troubleshoots common pitfalls, and shares advice about reforming a toxic culture. Combining leading edge science, on the ground insights from world class leaders, and practical ideas for action, the culture code offers a roadmap for creating an environment where innovation flourishes, problems get solved, and expectations are exceeded. Culture is not something you are. It is something you do. The culture code puts the power in your hands. No matter the size of your group or your goal, this book can teach you the principles of cultural chemistry that transform individuals into teams that can accomplish amazing things together. Wow. I um, Such like world-shaking science is used in these uh, very humanities, sociological-focused <laughs> texts. Like, let's learn about culture, but, like, through science, it's like, okay, uh, what, what, what science is he fucking using? Phrenology? Like, he's just measuring their fucking skulls to oh determine, like, how their fucking culture is? Well, Tim Duncan's skull is this big, and then SEAL Team 6 leader's skull is this big. Also, fucking... <laughs> The most successful organizations like U.S. Navy SEAL Team 6. Like, 
and a gang of jewel thieves. Successful organization? What the fuck are you talking about? Neil, SEAL Team 6 is just a bunch of fucking assholes. It's the jackbooted thugs of this fucking neoliberal. They're a highly cohesive team of brothers, Matt. <laughs> I will not you disparage these country's heroes. <laughs> they just like go around they're like, hey, you know, we need, we need very good people here to just kill these people because we want their oil. SEAL Team 6, let's do it. Don't you know the San Antonio Spurs are on the same level as SEAL Team 6? Yeah, they're definitely uh, killing people for their oil, too. Oh. Um, okay, so not, not aside from the disparaging marks Matt made, not too bad <laughs> of a s- synopsis. I did find that the repetitive use of commas, again, like the book we read e- earlier, um, kind of is a lot to chew we maybe cut down on these synopses, uh, make them a little smaller, more succinct, uh, less commas, please. Yeah. That's one question. Exactly. And also, uh, before we like actually describe like the, the cover of the book to you guys, um, I do have to say that, um, in, so it, it's, it's taking from, um, you know, Jordan Peterson's 12 rules of life. It's only three simple steps to, uh, fix society's problems. Like you like, I think coil probably like number one, clean your room. Right. Like number two, just like look at lobsters all day. <laughs> and number three is like, make sure that the, uh, you know, uh, postmodern neo-Marxists. Sorry, you didn't say that right. Postmodern neo-Marxists. Postmodern, you just gotta clean your room and just the postmodern neo-Marxists are ruining everything. It's not the Nazis that we have; it's the postmodernists. Yeah, I think that's probably uh, coil. The problem with the left. The, see, the thing about the West is the postmodern neo-Marxists, uh, even though it's a Western ideology, destroying the West. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and examine the cover. I sorry, I got a little gung ho about reading the synopsis, and we skipped the cover, but we are coming back. All right, so uh, very uh, very clean cover. Back uh, backgrounds just pure black with the words "the culture code," and then this image of a circle that says "the secrets of highly successful groups" with um, projecting lines coming from the entire circumference and at the end of those are smaller little hubs yeah i imagine it's the idea of a bunch of individuals being tied together and forming one unit that's kind of what it is inspiring yeah uh, it, it looks a lot like i don't i've never seen this film but i've seen pictures of this film like the the it's like 1920s film is called the the metropolis right it's like yeah. that weird background in the metropolis poster like the, you know what I'm talking about? I think like I know a, what you're talking about. Yeah, it's about. like exploding from all directions. It's like futuristic looking, but at mm-hmm. the same time, it means like cohesion, I guess. Yeah, it's a very clean cover. Uh, very simple. Now, it is square. I believe that's because it's made for an audiobook. It would be interesting to see what the hardcover looked like if it, it was could, the same deal. could be like a coffee table book or Let something. Just, uh, yeah, so uh, with, the, with the hardcover, it is elongated and a little cropped. Uh, but nice, clean audiobook. Uh, I like the cover. It's not bad. So I think you're going to have to go back to the hardcover to actually look inside. Mm, that is a good point. <gasps> they have okay, it. Yeah, yeah. I, it took a second took for it to load. load, and we were like, <gasps> we're going to have to clean up this review. Okay. Is oh. this, the, this is just the intro, right? Yeah. Are we reading the introduction? Or? Uh, I'll skip to the very first paragraph. All right. Good Apples looks like the chapter is called. Yeah, here we go. The Good Apples. 
Meet Nick, a handsome dark-haired man in his 20s seated comfortably in a wood panel conference room in Seattle with three other people. To outward appearances, he is an ordinary participant in an ordinary meeting. This appearance, however, is deceiving. The other people in the room do not know it, but his mission is to sabotage the group's performance. I don't know, I felt like reading that in that voice for some reason. Yeah, also, uh, the first paragraph isn't indented. Like, no, it's a, it's a, it's the show he doesn't uh, prescribe by groupthink because <laughs> uh, most writers will indent their first paragraph, but he does not conform to that because he's a leader in his group. Because he 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 indented the second paragraph. So. But that's the that's the key, Matt. You're you're thinking with a small mind. You need to change your mindset because the postmodern neo Marxists. Uh, I think Nick is a postmodern neo Marxist. He's <laughs> he's there to disrupt the meeting. Yeah, um, I think that the uh, much like our first book, mm-hmm. I don't find this enjoyable at all. I feel like, and that just could be like, I don't know, my own uh, realizing that everything's trash. Like, yeah, that's definitely <laughs> playing a role. We watched way too much YouTube this week. Like, uh, <laughs> got him way too nice. Like, here recently, like. I don't know, like deep dive into that psyche right now. Maybe I do need to talk to maybe, somebody. Yeah, maybe that here's some <laughs> tissues. Go take one. <laughs> because like I don't know, I just saw I just saw Hellboy recently. Another <laughs> <laughs> And it was so bad that everything is <laughs> everything is just trash now. Like, I don't know. Oh man! Oh but, my God, Doctor Hellboy and how I learned to hate <laughs> everything. Everything, yeah. Oh man, Matt, uh, let's talk about it, man. Let's talk about it. <laughs> maybe I do need to talk to someone. Uh, maybe you need to talk to Lori Gottlieb. Maybe I need to talk to Nick. He's actually, you know, he's trying to sabotage the group's performance, but maybe he's trying to, you know, he's trying to sabotage the group's performance. But honestly, like the group's performance was just the friends we made along the way. And Nick is trying to help me out. Couldn't agree more, Matt. Couldn't agree more. Um, so they're in Seattle. Maybe he's with a sports team. Maybe he's with a company. We don't know. Um, going off what we know from the first paragraph, the cover, and the summary. Um, yeah, I think that this book, it's going to talk. Well, see, the thing is, it's. I think it's going to be episodic. So it's going to show the different episodes with like SEAL Team 6 and and Nick and his wacky adventures. But um, I think they're going to tie it all together and it's going to be, you know that video where it's like, all right, count how many times they pass the ball around. Yeah. And then the gorilla walks by and they're like, did you see the gorilla? And you're like, I wasn't looking for the gorilla. Uh, And then I think, Hold on, just on that. Then there's those assholes in the room who have either A, seen the video before, or B, they're like, oh, I definitely saw the gorilla, right? Like, they're so... Like, I mean, those are bound to be there. Bound to be there. Uh, I think maybe there's a gorilla in this book that in each scene, there's going to be a character we don't really pick up. Can I say something? I know I'm involving the visual medium in a written form, but... Can I say something very controversial? One, fuck Daniel Coyle. Okay. Hey, hey, <laughs> Listen, hey. this man is trying to tell me how to build highly successful groups. Okay, one, who, who are you, sir? Like, who are you to author this book? Like, who asked you 
is the first question. And the second more important question is why? <laughs> Who gives Third a question, fuck? what gives you the right? <laughs> exactly. Who are you, sir? Why? And what gives you the right? Daniel Coyle. Now, I'm going to defend Daniel Coyle. Um, I, I feel like... Would it be a postmodern neo-Marxist? Besides, Josh? yeah, besides me being a postmodern neo-Marxist, I'm going to defend Daniel here, and maybe it's my biased sexism, but I think in Daniel's book, it's he's not sugarcoating it with the whole therapist uh, motif. He's he's uh, taking more like uh, real life events and uh, telling us how to how to what what makes groups click, which I mean. Might not pertain to you and I, but say we were CEOs or yeah, the bad people. We were on the San Antonio Spurs, or we were part of SEAL Team Six. We'd really want to know how we, <laughs> us as a group functioned. Yeah, because that's what SEAL Team Six is concerned of. Like, how do we make a functional group? How okay? How do we remove toxic <laughs> environments? Their uh, their commander gets them in the room, their conference room. Today we're going to be talking about synergy. Yeah. First off, we're going to talk about the social ladder and the hierarchy of this group and of lobsters let's talk about it you are uh, unconsciously biased towards lobsters um you you uh came from one but you don't recognize it and you aren't validating the plight of the lobster see i feel like i'm being disingenuous as a literary critic and i feel like i need to maybe remove myself from this critique because um one i fucking hate self-help books like i fucking hate them like with a passion who did this to you matt well because most self-help books are like the most trite, like badly written, um, fucking like stereotypical advice that you'll ever fucking see in your life. It's kind of like, like that, like fucking, like I said, clean your room, like shit like that. Right. It's like stuff that everyone knows. And then it's, it's, it's like they, they package it and they say, this is like what makes a successful group. And it's like, who the fuck cares? Like groups that like, they don't talk about how to be a successful group. They just are, you know. That's a good point, and uh, and and I think that they aren't spending that much time thinking about how they're a successful group. Yeah, they just are. And so maybe that was the the trick to this book. the The trick, the secret, is that they um, it's 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 not discussed. You don't bring it up. You don't uh, you don't talk about the spilt milk. You don't talk about you you just uh, do it, and it's kind of like innate and. And you learn without uh, being that specific. Now, I I do find that there are some books out there that are like this that do offer utility. Um, And what I've gathered from everything you said, Matt, I don't think your problems with self-help books. I think your problems with Jordan Peterson. (laughs) That is the root of all your negativity and all the problems in your life. Um, Maybe maybe Jordan Peterson is, is your uh, postmodern neo marxists <laughs> Yeah, maybe the postmodern neo marxists were the friends we made all along. No, it's like, uh, yeah, he's my dragon. See, the problem is he's chaos, and he's, it's an archetypical story that it's uh, Jungian philosophy. Even though he doesn't understand Jung, <laughs> he's never read him. Um, no, but getting back on Daniel Coyle, right? Like, no, I, I, the problem that I have, like, like I said, with self help books, is like. Most of the time, like, it's the same thing, like, if you're in the working place, right? Like, if you're in a work environment, and most of the time, like, your boss will sit down and be like, all right, like, we need to talk about things. We need to, like, discuss how we can function better as a team. And it never fucking works. Like, it does not work. Like, the shit that they implement 
like the self-help people and your bosses and whoever, it never works. It just, it's just something it like, cause no one pays attention to it. Right. Uh, and the thing is like, usually the system that like is in place, like the, the, uh, the way that the group works, like whatever you're yeah. doing is usually not that bad to begin with. They just like, the problem is like, we listen, we're going to get really political right here. Right. The, the problem is with like, like we we're talking with Cole, right? It's like they, they don't want, they want efficiency, not for you, but for the controlling entity, right? Like, and that's the thing that, that's the biggest problem I have with self-help books as well is because like as a, as one of those scary, like, you know, neo postmodern neo-Marxist, even though postmodernism and Marxism have nothing to do with each other. Um, you know, you look at like your, your, uh, material conditions, right? Like you look at society around you and you say like, like something's inherently broken. Like everyone knows something's broken, right? Like we have more depression, more suicide, all this stuff. And these self-help books are literally like, like Mark said about religion, kind of like the opioid of the people, right? It kind of pacifies people. And it says, no, the thing is like, the thing is like, uh, the subtle art of not giving a fuck is you're the problem in the world. Like not, not the world, like this really shitty neoliberal hellscape that we're living in. Like you just need to change yourself, which I mean, fair enough. You need to like look within yourself as well. But at the same time, it's you, you have to look at like, there are shitty things that are happening in the world and you're not changing them by saying, Hey, we need to work as a cohesive unit. Like you're just not. And I mean, granted we are definitely not experts, uh, we are literary critics, but we're not team experts. Um, so, but from what I've gathered is that oftentimes the problem, it starts with management. So you see this played out, especially in sports teams, mm-hmm. where sports teams will be bickering. Um, the coach will lose the locker room. Uh, they, they'll be losing a lot of games. And then in steps a new coach who's better, the team starts winning. And suddenly the same group of guys or gals is performing way higher than they did last season i think it always starts with the top um especially in corporations you know it, it's it's needs to be top down so if, if you're having a problem with your group as a manager maybe don't blame it on the group maybe that is the self-respection the, the leaders need to look at their themselves first yeah and that's the thing like you kind of you kind of deflect like when you talk about self-help right you kind of, you need something to kind of like gravitate towards, right? Like, because wor- the world's like crappy enough, right? You need something to gravitate towards. But I feel like a lot of the self-help stuff that we have, especially in publishing, in the culture code, thanks, thanks, Danny. Um, I think a lot of that is uh, bad because, like I said, it doesn't make you, it doesn't make you want to change something. It just gives you this weird, like, sense of sereneness, this fake sereneness that like, oh, like, I don't need... Like, I don't need medication for depression. I need to just go out and, like, put on my running shoes and go run in the sun and, and smell the flowers. And then every problem that I've ever had is going to go away. It's like, no. <laughs> yeah, you're just treating symptoms at that point. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, ending, ending of this book, um, Daniel Coyle, uh, it turns out that it's basically the start of George Orwell's 1984, where everything is groupthink and it's uh, totalitarian and um yeah and people are going to see this society and go wow he's talking about communism even though george orwell wasn't really he's talking about the terrors of totalitarianism 
Boom. There it is. Now let's go ahead and wrap this up. Um, I'm going to give this a young adult novel. I don't think it's trash. Uh, I, I, I would actually, I would say it's in between young adult and your dad's favorite because I'm kind of indifferent. Wow. That's actually a pretty high praise because I'm giving it something different first time on the pod. Second time on the pod, maybe. Um, I am giving it a generic romance novel. Mm. I didn't like even even my own even analyzing my own biases about it. Um, I didn't like the cover Matt, that much. Uh, let me correct you. You can't be biased. Yeah, you're right. I'm objective, which is kind of weird because we're both objective and different. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, it's a generic romance novel. That's that's my rating. A homework, I want you to uh, say five nice things about Daniel Coyle. <laughs> um, all right, so I think we can go ahead and um, wrap up the pod. So uh, any closing remarks, Joshua? No, I mean, I, I think we should walk away today um, saying, saying uh, you know, maybe maybe we need to like step back and, and be a little less negative. And uh, <laughs> granted we are living in a capitalist hellscape, but we really just need to look at ourselves, Matt and fix, fix, fix ourselves first. You're, yeah. you're the problem. Yeah. I'm the problem in this. Um, so if you guys, uh, like this podcast, don't forget to support us on the Patreon. Um, the links in the description, uh, mine and Josh's Twitter link. We talk about, how bad capitalism is um, all the time, or Chicago sports, one or the other. <laughs> um, it's in the link as well. If you guys would like to reach us, we are on judging a book by its cover pod at gmail.com. Please send it. We're not just talking into the void here. We have millions of listeners around the world. Please send something. We're begging you. Do you remember that one uh, podcast we used to, uh, used to listen to where the guy talked about how few listeners he yeah. had on a show and his listeners got upset? I feel like we have the opposite problem. We should talk about how many listeners we have. And then the one person who actually listens to us is a hipster and gets upset. Exactly. More people listen to it than them. Exactly. Um, also, we still need uh, theme music. So if you want to give us free, royalty-free theme music, we would uh, very much appreciate it. Um, like, we've, we've thrown out some suggestions. A theremin, you know. Um, a hammer, just hitting a nail in yeah, the Yeah, right now we just have a few interns banging a gong, and it's not a, really a theme song. It's right. It's a theme noise. Yeah, and, you know, it's either that or, like, the USSR national anthem. So, like, give us something. Take your pick. We'll, we'll, we'll have any anything. You're just gargling marbles. It's fine. So, I think that will wrap us up for this episode. So, see you later. You guys have a great day.